0: Facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio.
1: Hey, a marvelous Monday! It's December the fourth. Welcome to the program. So glad that you're spending this hour with me. And you can call in for free to talk to me. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. It's our listener line, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Triple eight nine one four 9149. Hey, send me an email, too. There's lots of ways to connect with me. You can email me. The address is kale, at relevantradio.com, and you can also find me on the X app, formerly known as Twitter, and my handle there is at kaleclark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. Hey, first of all, I want to get this out of the way. Happy New Year, everybody. That's right. Happy New Year, on this Sunday, this past Sunday, yesterday, we entered a new liturgical year. It was the first Sunday of Advent. We're now in the first week of Advent. Don't let this be any less important to you as the secular New Year when it comes to resolutions, when it comes to having a fresh start. I wonder what your spiritual New Year's resolutions might be. But let, let's let's take advantage of this time that we've got in this short season of Advent. It's a lot shorter than Lent, but it gives us some time to prepare Celebrate Christmas and, and so much more. So, we'll have lots to talk about on that front going forward. But I wanted to share with you, first of all, on this Monday, and I guess it's kind of it's going to become a Marian Monday. We're, we're kind of counting down, by the way, till December the 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. We're going to celebrate that on Friday. And hopefully, you guys have been praying a novena. There's many of them out there. You can just kind of Google them. A novena to the Immaculate Conception. Uh, great way to prepare. And I, I'm going to turn this kind of into a Marian Monday because I, I had an article that was sent to me from a non-Catholic Christian friend, good friend of mine, uh, who is an evangelical and is honestly concerned about me being being a Catholic and especially what we believe about the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so this person kind of sent me this article and said, hey, what do you think of this? I I, I want to share this with you because... I know that you have some Marian beliefs, and I'm concerned about this. And this article insinuates, insinuates that a lot of the Marian apparitions that have been reported, some of which have been approved by the Church, of course, as you know. Some of some of these apparitions have not been approved by the Church. I think you should be really careful with those ones. But uh, the suggestion is essentially made here that these alleged apparitions may, in fact, be demonic in nature so this person's really concerned for me this could be a satanic deception okay I I thought it was actually an interesting article and I I actually know the guy who wrote it so I wanted to to share this with you and it actually is a an article on the website called reasonable faith now reasonable faith is the website of dr. William Lane Craig again dr. Craig is not a Catholic he's an evangelical but I have a lot of respect for this guy I've, I've met him in person I actually attended uh, some famous debates that Dr. William Lane Craig uh, did uh, debating the Muslim apologist Shabir Ali uh, in Toronto. very famous series of debates. and i got I got to meet dr craig he he's he's a great apologist. He's written a lot of great stuff on defending and explaining the Christian faith. He's not Catholic, but I do think he's very sincere. Uh, a lot of you guys have heard about Dr. William Lane Craig's arguments, and you, you can certainly make use of them in a Catholic environment, and uh, hey, all truth is God's truth, and the stuff that he's saying about Christ, um, especially, he's written a lot on the resurrection of Christ, good stuff, really good stuff. However, uh, so on his, on his uh, Reasonable Faith uh, website, he actually has a Q&A session, and he, he handed one of the questions over to another person to answer. And uh, the question was answered by uh, Mike Lycona, Doctor Mike Lycona. Now I'm going to talk about him in just seconds. But here, here's the actual question that came across, and the question has to do with our good friend Doctor Bart Ehrman. Now you might remember me talking about Doctor Bart Ehrman before. He's a very, very skeptical scholar who has. Uh, he grew up in kind of a fundamentalist Christian uh, background. And I don't want to psychoanalyze the guy, but a lot of things happened to this guy. I don't know him personally, but I know people who do. And he essentially rejected Christianity for various reasons. And he's written a lot of books uh, that sort of cast doubt on a lot of aspects of of Christianity. For example, the trustworthiness of the Bible. He wrote a book called Forged, <laughs> alleging that one of his arguments, and I, I've dealt with this on the Faith Explained show and also here on this program too, that you simply can't trust the text of the Bible. Uh, it's been passed on through too many hands. It's like a game of telephone. All the scribes throughout the centuries copying, and they made mistakes. And you, and, and essentially, there, there are so many mistakes, you can't trust the text. That That's not actually true. But that's another argument for another day. But a lot of you guys know about Dr. Bart Ehrman. His books are bestsellers. Uh, you'll find them in the religion section of bookstores like Barnes & Noble. And I always feel... I always feel sad for people who are looking for God. They're genuinely on a spiritual search and are looking for God. And they wander into the religion section of a secular bookstore somewhere. And it's an ad mixture. There's some good stuff there that you can find. But there's also a lot of crazy stuff too. And a lot of stuff that... Now, now the thing about Dr. Bart Ehrman is he knows his stuff cold. He is a well-trained scholar. He um, studied under the famous Dr. Bruce, Bruce Metzger at Princeton University. And he is an expert on early Christianity. He is no dummy, and he knows the text very, very well. Uh, one of the... One of the um, I'll get to this in a second. But anyway, So here, here's, here's the question from this, this uh, person who wrote in. Um, and he said, Dr. Bart Ehrman has repeatedly claimed in his debates and written work that group visions of the Virgin Mary in modern times proves that group hallucinations can occur. He spends a significant portion of chapter 5 in his book, How Jesus Became God, describing these group hallucinations. Is this example truly analogous to the appearances of Jesus to groups of people after his resurrection? Okay, so it's interesting because it also touches on the resurrection appearances of Jesus as well. Were they hallucinations? This is a big, big claim of a lot of secular people, especially around Easter time, that the disciples, the apostles, and others only thought they saw the risen Jesus. They were actually hallucinating. So how do you respond to that? That's kind of tied into this. Yeah, so Bart Ehrman, that was, that was another book that he wrote called How Jesus Became God, Allegedly. Uh, the church exalted him to the status he never claimed to be God himself, that, that sort of thing. I'm simplifying it here. But uh, some other scholars wrote a response to Bart Ehrman. They wrote a book of their own. Uh, Dr. Craig Evans, great friend of the program, uh, Dr. Michael Byrd, and others, they came out with a book called How God Became Jesus, which I thought was a great, great rebuttal to this. Um, the Incarnation, of course, being defended there. So this, this is the question that came in uh, to Reasonable Faith from this guy named Jordan. And, uh, and, and this is why my friend kind of sent this to me because he's concerned about me and my Marian beliefs. Um, he would certainly hold that I'm a Christian as a, as a Roman Catholic, but he thinks I'm off my rocker when it comes to our Marian doctrines. But so this, this question was answered on the website by Dr. Michael Lycona. Now, Dr. Michael Lycona, I met him in passing at a conference, um, but I have another friend who knows him very, very well, thinks he's a really good guy. He's probably one of the, I would say, top four. I put him in the top four uh, resurrection scholars in the world today. And in fact, I have his book sitting right behind me on my bookshelf. It's about 600 pages long on the resurrection of Jesus. Really, really good stuff. Great historical research. So there's Mike Lycona. Michael Icona studied uh, under Dr. Gary Habermas, who is my professor. I think Habermas is probably the number one authority on the resurrection of Jesus in the world. So there's Habermas, there's Icona. There's also, of course, N.T. Wright, uh, who wrote a, a another really long book, about six, 700 pages, called The Resurrection of the Son of God. Excellent book as well. If you really want to deep dive into the academics of it, these are, these are good, good books to have. But Michael Icona kind of responded to this question about hallucinations and And what he's really trying to do here, he's trying to defend the view that, of course, we Catholics would share that when the apostles and other disciples saw the resurrected Jesus, they were not hallucinating. But he also touches on Marian apparitions too, which I think is also of interest to you and me. So I'm just going to go through what Lycona says. So Lycona says this, and I'm going to quote him here. He says, a lot of research has been conducted for more than a century pertaining to hallucinations. An excellent book that summarizes the research is called Hallucinations, the Science of Idiosyncratic Perception by Andre Alleman and Frank Leroy. And it's published by the American Psychological Association in the year 2008. Now, according to the American Psychological Association, a hallucination is, sorry, ready for, this is the actual definition of a hallucination, so buckle up here. A hallucination is quote, a false sensory perception, that has the compelling sense of reality, despite the absence of an external stimulus. End of quote. Now that's from the uh, American Psychological Association Dictionary of Psychology. So that's that's the textbook definition of a hallucination: a false sensory perception, that has the compelling sense of reality despite the absence of an external stimulus. So there are, there are different types of hallucinations too. There's not just visual hallucinations, there's auditory hallucinations as well. Oh, I, I think I heard my grandmother's voice calling to me from the kitchen saying, the cookies are ready. That actually sounds pretty good. But um, there, there are hallucinations that have to, have to do with all, all of our five senses. So that's the definition of a hallucination. Now, hallucinations should not be confused with two other things that are kind of related, but not. Illusions and delusions. Ever met somebody who's delusional? I have. <clears throat> and usually it's a person I talk to in the mirror every day. No, I'm just kidding. But So there are illusions and delusions. So what's an illusion? You, know, you might think about David Copperfield or some somebody like that. David Blaine, little street magic. What's an illusion? An illusion is a distorted perception of reality. Okay, so... So let's, let's say um, somebody does a magic trick. You th- it, you th- it looks like it's really happening, but it's really not. You're not really sawing a person into that, that sort of thing. Here, here's another illusion, a distorted perception of reality. Seeing water on a highway on a sunny day. That happens all the time. You're driving down the highway and you, you, you see this. It looks like water you know, on the road, but it's, it's really not. It's really not. It's just like the heat or whatever it is, but it's not really water. That's an illusion, a distorted perception of reality. But what is a delusion, a delusion? A delusion occurs when you persist in believing something despite conclusive evidence to the contrary. Someone who refuses to believe, for example, that his wife is dead despite having buried her, that person is delusional. And sometimes that happens because of trauma. And I actually, I remember um, somebody telling me, uh, this is when I was training for Protestant ministry. When you do a funeral, you have to make sure that the beloved actually see the body of the deceased. You know, at the funeral home, they see the remains if possible, unless it's like a, an accident where the person can't recognize it or something, it's burned. or But it's really important for people to see the, the, the body, the dead body of their beloved. Not for any kind of gory reason, but because if they don't, very often what happens is in their grief, people think the person is still alive, like Elvis is still alive, that sort of thing. So it's actually psychologically kind of important, but, but that would be an example of a delusional person, somebody who they know that their loved one has passed, but yet they still persist in, in saying, no, this person is really alive. So this is really crucial to understand. So hopefully, hopefully you got that. Hallucinations, illusions, and delusions. What on earth does this have to do with Jesus? What does this have to do with Marian apparitions and whether they're legit or not? You'll find out after the break. So stick with me. It's Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. And I will be right back. <music>
0: The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life.
1: The music sounds like it should be from Techmo Bowl or something, but I'm happy to hear it. And I'm happy that you're with me today on this Monday, the first Monday of Advent 2023. Just to, just to recap what we're talking about right now on the Kale Clark Show, I was sent an article by a friend, a non-Catholic Christian friend who's concerned for me, uh, concerned about my soul. It's, It's coming from a good place concerned about our Marian beliefs. And, and he, he sent me this piece that kind of suggests that some Marian apparitions, at least some of them, might be false apparitions from the dark side. They might actually be demonic. But we'll get to that in just a second. So this is an article by actually a fine scholar, Dr. Mike Licona. And he's done a lot of great research on the resurrection of Jesus. And some people say that the disciples were merely hallucinating that they thought they saw Jesus after Easter, but were, it wasn't true. His body was still in the grave. So how do you respond to that? You're listening to The K.O. Clark Show, 888 So we'll get to the Marian stuff in just a second, but uh, Mike Lycona says in this, in this article that uh, he actually had, uh, this is part of his research into the resurrection, and we talked we talk before the break about the difference between hallucinations, illusions, and delusions. Uh, And some people think I'm delusional that I think that the Maple Leafs can win the Stanley Cup ever again. That could be, that could prove to be correct. But um, at any rate, uh, Mike Licona interviewed some Navy SEALs about their experiences during Hell Week. And again, this is to do with hallucinations. Now, again, a hallucination is a false sensory perception that has the sense of reality, and it's compelling but it has the absence of an external stimulus. In other words, it's not really there. So when he was interviewing these Navy SEALs, he was talking to them about the, the famous, um, crucible that they go through during SEAL training called hell week. Now, if you don't get past hell week, you're, you're done. It's the first test that they have to pass before becoming a SEAL. So hell week starts. And there might be some Navy SEALs listening right now. I'd love to hear about this. Call in triple eight, nine, one, four, nine, one, four, nine. Of course, they kind of train out there in Coronado and the, uh, in the San Diego area and hell week begins on a Sunday night and it finishes at noon on the following Saturday. Now the candidates only get between three and five hours of sleep during the entire week. Now, just, just to clarify something for you, that's not three to five hours a night. That's three to five hours for the whole week for the entire week. So, what these, uh, Navy SEALs were telling, um, Michael Icona was that quite a few of them had experienced hallucinations during hell week because of sleep deprivation. So that's one of the causes for hallucinations uh, that people have. It's, um, uh, being sleep deprived. Also drug use is, is another big one, you know, not hard to imagine that, but, um, But this whole idea of sleep deprivation, one of the SEALs talked about um, being out adrift on the Pacific Ocean, you know, for this, like, exercise. We had to float out there forever. And he actually thought he saw an octopus waving at him from in the distance. Like, an octopus kind of popped up out of the water and just kind of, you know, lifted up a tentacle and said, hey, how you doing? He's like, what is going on here? Was that actually real? Was that actually happening objectively in reality? No, no. He was hallucinating because of sleep deprivation. But here's the deal. Even though these guys, quite a few of them experienced hallucinations, they did not experience the same hallucination. They didn't all see the waving octopus. And sometimes they would actually say like, hey, to their, to their, to their partners. Hey, do, do do you see that out there? And they're like, no, I don't see that. So they they tried to point these things out to others, but it's not possible. And that's for a good reason, because hallucinations are by nature individual experiences. You cannot share a hallucination with someone else. They're private experiences. They're mental events, and they don't have a corresponding external reality. So you can't share a hallucination with someone else. Now hallucinations, like Kona says, they're a little bit similar to dreams in that sense, because let's say that you're having a dream about a beautiful Hawaiian vacation and you you wake up from your dream and you're like, hey, hey, honey, I'm having, you nudge your wife and say, hey, honey, I'm having this incredible dream that we're in Maui. I tell you what, why don't you go back to sleep? I'm sorry to wake you up, but let go back to sleep and why don't you just just hop into my dream here and and, and we'll just share this Hawaiian vacation dream together and that way we won't have to go there because it's kind of expensive especially in in this age of inflation, you can't do that. Now, she might fall asleep and have another dream, and she might also be in Maui in her dream too, but it's not the same dream. It's not the same dream. So, you can't share a dream. You also can't share a hallucination. So, let's get back now to what this has to do with Jesus and also Marian apparitions. Okay, so, the skeptical scholar Dr. Bart Ehrman from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, in his book How Jesus Became God, he talks about group visions. So, he he ta- he he talks here about some visions of Mary that people have had. And he says that a lot of groups had seen her, and he talks about some some apparitions that I'm not super familiar with. Um some of them are probably not on the uh, they're not approved by the church. He talks about um Educated professionals who experienced these visions. Doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, engineers, lawyers. Even Muslims apparently saw Mary in in some of these visions. Allegedly, one of these incidences, um, apparently Mary was photographed. I I have to do some more research on this one, because this one I've never heard of. But Is this compatible with group hallucinations? In other words, some people are trying to say that like Bert Ehrman is basically trying to say that group hallucinations are actually possible because a lot of these Marian apparitions are nothing more than group hallucinations. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, Michael Iconis says, we know groups can't experience hallucinations. There's actually no evidence ever of anyone ever having done, done that. Um, this uh, masterful study on hallucinations by the, the scholars Alleman and Dr. Leroy, they have sort of the authoritative book on hallucinations. They never talked about it in their book. They never talked about group hallucinations. And the reason why was because they wanted to, but they couldn't find any documented case in which a group experienced an actual hallucination. Uh, a group can experience a, an illusion, like a magic trick or something like that. A group can experience delusion, Right, so a bunch of people can be delusional about something. Right, like think about the followers of David Koresh. Right, they think he's the Messiah. They're totally delusional. Um, th- there are all kinds of. Okay, here, here's another th- thing that can happen too. There can be something in the external world, and and a bunch of people can think that it's there, but it doesn't mean it's actually there. Uh, you might remember this case of. What did you call, it, producer Jim? You called it the, the thing in Florida. You called it Our Lady of the Building. I think it was Our Lady of the Office Building. <laughs> Our Lady of the Office Building. No disrespect to Our Lady. Yeah, I actually saw this, producer Jim. I actually saw this because at the time, um, I, I was visiting some people down in the in the Tampa, Florida area, and I had heard about this. Uh, and maybe if you live in Florida, you remember this. Or <laughs> anyway, maybe you, even if you don't live in Florida, you might you might actually remember this. Uh, somewhere, I think it was somewhere in the Tampa area, there was an office building that had kind of this mirrored glass on the outside. And people thought that they saw an image of the Virgin Mary in the glass. And I actually went to check this out. I wanted to see this thing. And there were people that had set up candles. Um, people were praying. They were praying the rosary. It was, And I saw the image. It, to me, it kind of looked like oil stains on, on the glass, if that made any sense. But I could kind of see what they were talking about because it kind of looked like the the virgin mary's mantle you know kind of thing i but was it really (laughs) you know uh an image of of our lady that was supernaturally caused by god i i have my doubts about that and and in fact i'm going to go ahead and say i don't think it was but but you know what it caused people to pray um people were praying they're really hopefully getting in touch with god that doesn't mean that the thing itself was real but i actually saw this so this uh, this this was mentioned in, in the piece um when people saw an image of our lady on an office building on mirrored glass. Okay. That's not a hallucination though. That's a different, that's a different ball game. Uh, all right. The other thing, the other thing Bart Ehrman talks about in his book, um, how Jesus became God, um, is he actually says, Hey, Christians, um, they, they try to say, look, okay, there are lots of alleged miracles in the Christian tradition and there's evidence for them. But what about alleged miracles that happen in other religions? Because it's true that adherents of other religions would say, hey, there's miracles in my faith too. And there's more examples here than we could possibly go through. But uh, Mike Lyconis says, yeah, that's it's possible. It's possible that miracles could occur in other religions because God might, might actually, the, the real God, the one true and living God, might choose to act within another religion to get the attention of people. Or... And here's the other thing. And and the Bible talks about this. There are other malevolent supernatural forces out there, such as demons. They could be behind some of these quote unquote supernatural events in other religions. Think about it. The scriptures do say that there are the possibility of counterfeit miracles being done to deceive the people of God. Um, and and so uh, Satan's a supernatural being, um, is he as powerful as God? No, but he's still pretty powerful. And uh, he's got his minions, fallen angels. And so, and then and then, Likona also talks about, Mike Likona, in his piece here, he also talks about people who are familiar with the occult or voodoo. And they know that these things can be real. There can be some supernatural things that happen. They are real, but they're from the dark side. They're evil. I, I have a really good friend who grew up in Africa, grew up in Zimbabwe, and he told me, you know, like soon after I met this guy, he told me like, you know what, in my country, nobody questions whether the devil exists like, because there are witch doctors everywhere. He says, and I've seen some crazy stuff with my own eyes and there are things that happen, but, but it's not from, in other words, people don't question that there's a supernatural world. There's a spiritual world over there, but cer- certain, certain, th- certain things that happen are clearly from the other side they're, they're 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 from the Satan and his minions so th- these are powers that can be tapped into dark powers and so there's that possibility too that can't be that can't be discounted so um, what else does he talk about here uh, da, 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 da. okay all right so here here's where it gets kind of interesting so so Ehrman brings up some stuff in his book he brings up um, the miracle of the sun at Fatima, which I, I think there's great evidence for. There were about 80,000 people that saw this happen live. So again, again, this was not a hallucination. There's no such thing as a group hallucination. What did they actually see? Did they see something? Well, it seems as if they did. But um, there are a whole lot of other Marian apparitions out there. Some of them are approved by the church. Some of them are not. Now this is this is a this is where it gets really intriguing, and this is why my my friend sent this um, article to me. Um, Mike Lycona mentions um, these two authors, and I've never read this book. I've never read this book. Elliot Miller and Kenneth Samples, and they authored a book. They're, these guys are not Catholics. They're not Catholics, and you, you'll you'll that'll be very clear when you see the title of the book. The book is called. The Cult of the Virgin, Catholic Mariology, and the Apparitions of Mary. So they talk about, allegedly in this book, I never, and again, I've never read this book myself, they talk about Lourdes, they talk about Fatima, and they talk about Medjugorje, Croatia. Now, they call these in the book the three major Marian apparitions. Okay, first of all, I take umbrage with that, okay, because okay, Medjugorje is, is a whole different animal which we'll talk about in just a second. I uh, don't want to get too deep into this. I don't want to, get, I don't want to make this show about Medjugorje, but um, Lords clearly, Our Lady of Lords is one of the major Marian apparitions approved by the Church. Our Lady of Fatima, 1917, clearly approved by the Church. Very, very important. Guadalupe, also not mentioned here, Guadalupe is also approved by the Church. Medjugorje is not approved by the Church doesn't necessarily mean nothing happened there, but it's never been approved at any level by the church, by any bishop of the area, ever. No bishop has ever approved this on any level. So just to let you know. Um, we'll talk about this more in just a second. But, um, one of the authors of this this book, The Cult of the Virgin, apparently interviewed the seers to whom Mary has allegedly appeared in Medjugorje. Now, this guy's a Protestant, right? So, he uh, he thinks that they saw something after after interviewing these these. And again, this started apparently. And, and I I'm not I'm just there's not going to be great. I'm not going to give you great detail on this. But but the the alleged story is that Our Lady was was appearing somehow and giving messages to these three. I don't know how many there were, but there, there were young people. that were teenagers at the time when this started. And it's kind of gone on, and she's giving messages to them still every single day. Every single day. Every single day. They're private revelations, allegedly. So anyway, so this this, this guy interviewed um, some of the seers of Medjugorje who are continuing to have visions of Mary, so they say. And in fact, he actually hung out with one of them while he was experiencing one of these alleged visions, but nobody else in the room saw anything. And this guy, Samples, asked the seer of Medjugorje if Mary had ever spoken to him, and he said yes. And he also said, oh, by the way, you should read this book. You should read this book. This is the, the, the seer of Medjugorje said to this guy, you should read this book. Okay, so he says, all right. so he took note of this book, and he went and picked up a copy. The book was a book about the occult. So this guy... Kenneth Samples, who who co-wrote this book, The Cult of the Virgin, he's basically saying that this has led him to believe that a demonic spirit is what is appearing to the seers and not Mary. That could be true. That could well be true. That could well be true. So, so, uh, So in response to the question that we kind of asked off the top, is it possible that some of the alleged Marian apparitions that have been reported are not from God? Yeah, it's totally possible. It's totally possible. That some of the non-approved apparitions could be from the evil one, they could be counterfeit apparitions, absolutely thousand percent, it's possible however um, I do think that there's really good reason to buy into the ones that have been approved, especially Lourdes, especially Fatima, especially Guadalupe, they're very very important I think there's great evidence for this, of course we have of course, the Tilma of St. Juan Diego with the image that's unexplainable by science somewhat like the Shroud of Turin Okay, in the case of Guadalupe, we've got that. Uh, Lords, of course, we've got the miracles that have have been wrought um, by God through the stream and the waters and all that stuff. We know that. Fatima, we've got the miracle of the sun. We've got all this stuff. Um, The Medjugorje stuff, here's the deal. Um, Personally, I I think it's possible. It's also possible it could be false. It's also possible it could be false. I I haven't spent, i got to be honest with you, I haven't spent really any time looking into this. I've I've, I've read a few articles about it, uh, both pro and con. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the church, here's what the Catholic Church says. You don't have to believe in any of the apparitions to hold the Catholic faith. You don't have to believe in You don't have to even believe in the approved ones. You don't have to believe in Lord's. You don't have to believe in Fatima. Why? They're private revelations. They weren't given to the universal church. Not, they weren't Catholic in scope. Now, they still might be real and legit. That's a totally different story. But you do, you only have to believe to be a Catholic. You only have to believe the public revelation of the Catholic church. That's what the word Catholic means. It means universal. It's for everyone. It's not. Uh, one of the things I'll talk about tomorrow on the Faith Explained show is this persistent heresy, false teaching that has been with the church since the beginning? It's called the cult of Gnosticism. and it's, and it's really come across in many forms that there there have always been groups out there uh, from the beginning who said that they had the truth about Jesus Christ, not the not the church, not the public Catholic church. No, 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 we have this little group over here, the secret society. and if you join our group, we'll give you the real inside scoop because we alone have the truth. We have the inside knowledge there've always been groups like that out there and and the catholic church has said look some, we approve some of these 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 things and i do believe that they happen i do i totally believe in guadalupe I totally believe in lords totally believe in fatima but i always say to my non catholic friends if you don't if you're not if you don't buy into this stuff that's fine you can still be catholic you only have to believe in public revelation the teachings of the church on faith and morality. That's what you got to buy into. So you got to believe in the four Marian dogmas of the church, but you could take or leave the apparition. So, so when it comes to stuff like Medjugorje and other non-approved apparitions, I would say this. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because I've got, I've got, this is my personal point of view. It's my opinion. You may disagree, but why? I see a lot of people going on pilgrimages to these places. Why, why on earth would you spend the money and time to go to a place that's not even approved? when there's so many other things that you could be looking into. Now, on the other hand, if it is approved, if it's ever approved by the church, yeah, this really happened, I'll be the first one on a plane. I'll be the first one on a plane there. But until then, that, that's just my personal opinion, so you might, you might disagree with this. I know plenty of people who've gone there and they've said that they've had, they've had mystical experiences and they've, they believe it's real, they believe Mary's really appearing to these people and speaking to these people. And even one, of, even one of the bishops of the area who doesn't buy into it, he didn't buy in. I don't know if he's still the bishop there, but he was once asked, like, hey, why? Because he, he was celebrating a, a confirmation mass there, and there were, like, tons of people there, tons of people going to the confessional, all these pilgrims going there, you know, coming back to the sacraments, been away from the church for, for decades. And he's like, well, okay. He was basically asked, Bishop, okay, if all this stuff is happening, people are coming back to the faith, they're going to confession, they're getting right with God. Mary must be appearing here right and he's like not necessarily these people they yeah they they feel much better about themselves they're back on line with God that's because they just went to confession that that could be part of it that doesn't mean Mary's appearing here like we got to look at the evidence here essentially, so so that's what I'm saying all I'm saying is hey I'll follow the evidence wherever it leads I, i'm 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 open minded i'll if it's if it's legit if there's good evidence for it yeah i'll I'll definitely consider it um and like I said, if it's ever approved, I'll be the first one on a plane there. I, I guarantee you that. So, um, but we, we got our hands full, I think, with, with other stuff. So that's, uh, I don't know what you guys think about this, but I'm sure you, you want to call it right now. 888 9149 is the number to call. You are listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Going to take a quick break right now, actually, but we will be right back with your phone calls. 888 9149 Be right back.
0: Faith, facts, and fun. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Have a question? Give Kale a call at 888-914-9149.
1: Hey, welcome back to the program. I'm going to get your phone calls in just a second. I see you there, Jimmy. I see you there, Nicole. All you guys' others who are, uh, all you guys' others. I mean, all you other guys and gals that are on the line. That's what I meant to say. Our, uh, I see you there, and we'll get to you as soon as we can. Just, just, just to finish off real quick. Uh, we were talking about the authenticity of um, some alleged Marian apparitions. Is it possible that some of the non approved ones could be from the demonic side of things? It could be false apparitions. It's possible. It's possible. Um, we also talked about the difference between hallucinations, illusions, and delusions. And we also talked about how uh, very often uh, people will accuse us of, you know, they'll accuse the early Christians essentially of really taking part in a mass hallucination. There's no such thing as a mass hallucination when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus. You cannot share a hallucination with someone else. We talked about the Navy SEALs during Hell Week and the hallucinations they have. They're all individual. You can't share it with someone else. And we know that when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, our earliest report on this, we'll get back to Mary in just a second. Our earliest report on this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8. St. Paul writes, I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom still remain alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So it's highly unlikely that the appearances of the risen Jesus were hallucinations. First of all, as Lacona says, there's too many people here. There's no such thing, remember, as a group hallucination. He appeared to the twelve, then he appeared to all the apostles. There are various times, various places, various groups of people, including... 500 people at one time. And St. Paul says most of these guys are still alive. So you can interview them. You can check it out. Some of them have gone. Some of them have died. But they're alive. They're out there. So this does not fit the bill when it comes to hallucinations, which are individual occurrences by nature. Paul, especially the appear, when Jesus appeared to Paul, he, he's not exactly a grieving, you know, someone who's grieving the loss of a loved one. He was, like, adamantly fighting against the early Christian movement. He did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. He was arresting and perhaps even killing people who believed this. So he didn't exactly have motive to uh, have any kind of uh, vision of Jesus being alive. He, he didn't think that was true at all. So Jesus would have been the last person on planet Earth Paul would have wanted to see alive from the dead or expected to see. And so, here's the other thing, too. This is the other good reason to believe in the resurrection, too, because if they had just had visions of Jesus, they would have said, you know, he's in heaven. It would have said he's been exalted to a heavenly plane. They wouldn't have said he was resurrected bodily from the dead. But there's there's an empty tomb. Everybody admits there's an empty tomb. Even the enemies of the church admit there's an empty tomb. How, How do you account for that? Where's the body? Plus, you know, Jesus appeared and said, "Hey, you can touch me. This is a these are there's physicality involved. It's not just like they're not they didn't just see him, they could touch him. then it could interact with him. He ate food in their presence. Ghosts don't make food disappear. So, very important when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus. These are not hallucinations, but." Um, some of the unapproved Marian apparitions, I could see why. And again, my, my friend sent this to me because he's concerned for me. He, he doesn't. He's not Catholic. He thinks the Marian teachings are out to lunch. Um, he thinks some of the alleged apparitions of Mary are not from God. Um, and I, like I said, it's possible some of the non-approved ones could be could be counterfeit miracles from the evil one. What do you guys think about this? Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Let's go to Jimmy in Watertown, Wisconsin. Hi, Jimmy.
0: Hi, my name is Jenny. Um, oh, it's Jenny. So okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I apologize. It was it I was, was
1: a, I got the wrong information on my computer screen. It was typed in wrong, so I apologize for that.
0: No, don't worry. Um, I was just calling to um, chime in a little bit. I heard you mentioning the apparition um, of Mary in Clearwater, Florida. Um, I used to yeah. live there as a little kid, and my dad took us uh, to see that apparition actually, right when it appeared, I believe in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, looking back at it, uh, back then I didn't really think much of it, but looking back at it now, I, I mean, uh, it, there was just no explanation for the, with, you know, for the, I believe it was water stains or some type of, uh, I don't know, occurrence between the, the window and, um, out what was going on outside that building. Um, there's just no explanation for it to have occurred the way that it did. And it did at at the very least appear to be Mary um, uh, and such. Um, And then there was another thing that you mentioned too, that I wanted to chime in on. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad is the one that brought us to see that apparition in Clearwater. Mm -hmm. Um, He's originally from Ghana and uh, his mother uh, was Catholic and his father Mm kind of dabbled into some of, I guess, the occult type stuff um, that you had mentioned. Um, And so he had an experience that he told me that, you know, uh, one day when he was walking past his father's room, he noticed his father was in there alone, but as he passed by, he heard voices and Mm. his father was responding to these voices. And he walked back to check to see that his father was alone and he was, and he from that moment on, he knew for certain that he was a Catholic. He did not want to, you know, go down wow. that, uh, that path. Um, so I, I just wanted to chime in on that.
1: Wow. Yeah. That, that, like I said, yeah. And that is, there, uh, nobody who's seen that sort of stuff questions what the reality of a spiritual world. Yeah. Like I said, people who have been in touch with those things, they know that there there is a there are dark malevolent spiritual forces out there for sure and 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 like I said with respect to the uh, the Florida um, image on the on the, the windows of the office building I've seen it I saw it and I had to admit this does if you look at it a certain way it does look like sort of the image of Mary's mantle like Mary wearing her her mantle um, is it kind of a Rorschach test type thing where you see a cloud and it's in the shape of of something yeah I. I don't now i mean i it could be real it could be real um i don't know but <laughs> as, as a friend of mine said about this you know maybe it's better just to go to church you know if you want to get in touch with with the divine and and more on this in just a second but but thank you for calling in, jenny i really appreciate you sharing your experiences of of uh, your family and and what you saw in florida as well and yeah i, I saw it too i saw it too all right let's go to pat in Michigan, in the northern lower peninsula. Hey Pat,
2: there you go. Hey Kale, thanks for your show. Love listening to it. Thank good you, uh, sir. Good content. Um, yeah, my uh, feelings are, as you have stated, it's not necessary to believe in private revelation. Mm-hmm. However, if it uh, if it uh, increases your belief, um, no harm done. Obviously and i i guess uh when it comes to not going to see a site until it's uh okayed mm-hmm. let's just take uh, fatima for example in 1917 i believe it was october when the miracle of the sun happened mm-hmm. i could be mm-hmm. wrong on the date there um but uh if um if uh, nothing contradicts church teaching uh, there's a uh you know i mean a, a rock solid hasn't hadn't misinformed anything uh, only uplifted the church and, and its teachings, and uh, there is a foretold miracle, you know, on such and such a date. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure not going to wait for the church to okay it if, uh, if, it's, if it's saying, you know, nothing but what the church already says. Uh, you actually ha- have a chance to miss out on a, a miracle, possibly even he- healings, uh, such as were foretold, or which were such happened at uh, Fatima. Um, so I guess uh I mean you absolutely have to be careful that it's not a miracle from, from the devil, you know, to uh, try to mm-hmm. try to send you in the wrong direction. But uh um I think uh I mean let's put it this way, I know that Gare Bandel supposedly is going to foretell eight days in advance and I'll uh, I'll do my best to uh, be on a plane going to <laughs> going to Gare Bandel. <laughs> So uh, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, uh, obviously, uh, when it's okayed by the church, uh, you know, I mean, it just verifies it. But it, it almost uh, almost takes a miracle in order for the uh, the church to uh, okay. okay it.
1: Well, yeah, Pat, hey, first of all, thank you for calling in. I appreciate your, your kind words about the show. Thank you very much for, for listening. Thanks to everybody else who's listening out there as well. It, it it's certainly true that every approved Marian apparition started off as one that was unapproved, or at least not approved yet, right? I mean, if not, if not outright rejected. But, um, and so that, that you could say, what if you're in Fatima in 1917, you hear about what's going on with these three kids, are they really seeing something, are they not? Should I go check this out in October? Should I spend the time, it's raining out, you know, should I bother in a sense, yeah, you run the risk of maybe missing out on a, on a, on an incredible miracle. It's possible. But, um, you really, I mean, if you're already Catholic now for, for sure. And there were lots of non-believers there as well, by the way, that, that were there uh, on the, on the day of the miracle of the sun for sure. But here's the thing. Like if you're already Catholic, you already have the most stupendous miracle that you could ever possibly imagine and that's of course the eucharist the fact that jesus christ is present physically present of course sacramentally body blood soul and divinity in every mass in every eucharist on in every catholic church all around the world that's amazing that and we we sometimes take that one for granted you might say yeah yeah i know i know but but it it's true i i i think sometimes we have the tendency to go for I don't know. It's this may be a silly example, but I remember remember one time after mass, the parish priest said, "Hey man, I've got these holy cards I want to give away here. Uh, does anybody want them?" And people were literally running up the aisles, and tripping over themselves to get these free holy cards. And are we that excited about the Eucharist? I, I hope. I hope we are. I hope we are. And everyone likes interesting things. We have this tendency to kind of gather to the latest thing whatever that might be but 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 are we are we missing out on, on the truths that we already know and the miracle that we know happens every single day in the eucharist so uh we can talk more about this in the next episode we can talk more about this tomorrow because i know we had the we jam phone lines here we weren't able to get to everybody but uh do call back tomorrow i'd love to hear from you guys sylvia dean nicole i hear you guys there call back tomorrow. We'll be back the same time tomorrow. Jim Shaper produced Patrick Kellogg. Check your phone calls. Keep it locked on relevant radio tonight. Take it away, Michaela. God bless you.
0: Thank you for listening to my daddy.